What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Main Event Heat Podcast. I am your host, Rob Weathers. Today is December 26th, 2022, almost at the end of the year, and we just got past Christmas. I got a pretty amazing wrestling-related Christmas present this year. My wife bought me the Razor Ramon Intercontinental title belt from the WWE shop. Which, uh, yeah, she absolutely won Christmas in our house. I, I, I thought I got her a few nice little things, but uh, I don't. I started second guessing everything I bought her the second after I opened that one. That was pretty dope. I'm super, super excited about that. You guys can see pictures of it on my social media if you follow me. But, uh, but yeah, pretty good Christmas this year. Pretty, pretty wild year all together, all things being told, especially as it comes to professional wrestling headlines. And that is what we are going to talk about today. We are going to run through what I believe are the top 10 professional wrestling highlights and headlines of 2022. But before we get there, I just wanted to say something really quick uh, about uh, a buddy of mine, a guy that I, I work with here on the indie scene, a guy that I know also listens to the podcast from time to time. I want to give us a, a special shout out to my boy Zach Mosley. He just posted on his Facebook the other day that he's been going through some some medical problems and is having to step away from the ring for a little bit. Zach Mosley, if you guys have you know been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll know is one third of Exotic Youth. I put those guys over every time I get a chance to. I absolutely love working with all three of them. I have nothing but great things to say about those guys. And and Zach, if you hear this, buddy, uh, I hope you get well soon. And I can't wait to call another one of your matches here soon, buddy. Let's talk about the world of professional wrestling as a whole. Let's talk about the top 10 highlights and headlines from 2022. And holy shit, did we have a lot of them. Let's go ahead and get this list started with number 10, Sammy Uso. My boy Sami Zayn has been absolutely killing it with this Bloodline storyline over in the WWE. I've been very candid on here about how I do not watch the Fed very often, but if there is anything this year that I have actually went out of my way to watch the clips for, it has been everything to do with Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns, the Usos, and Solo Sokoa. All this Bloodline stuff is... It, it, it's wild because like it feels like it's not even the same show because, you know, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later with Triple H taking over. We've thought, you know, oh, the show's going to start looking a lot different. And it does to an extent, but some of it still kind of sucks. I'm not going to lie to you. Some of it still really kind of sucks. But, you know, of the things that that are great right now everything to do with the bloodline like it it genuinely feels like it's it's a whole different show sometimes specifically these these in-ring promos that they're doing and Sami Zayn has been absolutely knocking every promo out of the park you know it's no secret that he does everything he can to get in the ring and try to pop the other bloodline guys with the the whole you know you're you're not being very oozy comments or whatever it was that he made to Jay a couple of months ago that shit blew up my favorite thing so far has been 
there was a, a, a in-ring segment that they were doing, and Roman was like standing. They're all standing in a line facing hard cam, but Roman's like standing a little bit in front of them. And Jay and Sammy are like jawjacking with each other. And Sammy says something about the tribal chief, and and Jay says, "I don't give a damn what the tribal chief says." And then when he says that, Roman just looks up, and then the fucking hard cam zooms in on him real tight. And it was such an amazing shot because WWE production fucks up shots so often. <laughs> you know. I mean, we've obviously, everybody's complained about the a dozen camera cuts every second, which trust me, I have been sick and tired of that for a very long time. But when they do knock it out of the park, holy shit, do they ever. That was one of my favorite scenes, segments, whatever you want to call it, that I've seen in all the professional wrestling this entire year. That shit was so fucking good. So yeah, everything with with Sami Zayn and the Bloodline right now, absolutely deserving of this number ten spot. That shit is so good. Coming in at number nine, and and it's so crazy that this is this far down the list, but that's just a great example of how wild this year has been. Stone Cold wrestles in the WrestleMania main event. Stone Cold Steve Austin made his return to professional wrestling with a match against Kevin Owens, and this is something that. Everybody kind of knew was going to happen. Everybody had been talking about it for for seemingly months that he was going to come back and wrestle at WrestleMania. They didn't even announce that it was a match. They announced it was going to be Kevin Owens doing a little talk show segment. It just so happened to be in the main event slot of night one of WrestleMania. And sure the fuck enough, Stone Cold Steve Austin challenges Kevin Owens to a match. I think it was a street fight or something. And Stone Cold wrestled. And I, I have not, truth be told, I have not watched the entire match. That night... I was driving back from WrestleCon weekend. I was I was driving back home that night. So I didn't see anything that happened on night one, but I did watch night two. But, you know, he's still, I've watched the highlights and he looked great. You know, he's looking great now. I don't know if you guys have follow him on social media, but he's been posting workout videos and shit a lot lately. And he, he looks fantastic and he could probably do another one if he wanted to. But man, the stuff with him and KO was really, really fun. And like I said, this has been such a wild year. Something like Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestling in the main event of WrestleMania should be so much higher on this list, but it is not. And let's go ahead and talk about some of the crazier shit that happened following that up. Number eight, Ric Flair's most likely fourth to last match. It was, it was, it was, everybody was saying it was Ric Flair's last match. The name of the pay-per-view was Ric Flair's last match, but let's face facts, guys. It's probably not. Ric Flair had his quote unquote last match. It was a tag team match, him and his, his son-in-law Andrade going against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. This took place, I believe, SummerSlam weekend in Nashville, Tennessee, you know, and I watched the card. The card was was actually pretty good. Now, a lot of the matches, first half of the show, were really, really short, and I felt like they could have done with a little bit more time. But, you know, there was dream matches all up and down that card. And then you get to the card itself, and Rick comes out. He can't fucking walk a straight line to the ring. You know, I, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't straight ready to jump to, oh, he's fucking drunk. I wasn't going straight there. But he definitely looked like he was fucking drunk. It would not surprise me if he had a couple of drinks going out there. But he said that he was dehydrated, which it's like you I don't it's hard for me to buy that because it's like, Rick, you've been wrestling for like over 50 years. How the fuck do you not drink any water leading up to your match? Like I have been 
I've only been doing this for a couple of years and I constantly see guys walking into the building with fucking jugs of water because they understand that it's important to stay hydrated before they have a match. So it's hard for me to think that Ric Flair, after all of this time, was like, no, I was just dehydrated. I forgot to drink water. I'm not buying that shit, Rick. He just wanted to have an excuse because he fucking shoot passed out at least twice in that match. It was so scary to watch. I don't want to watch the match that Ric Flair dies in. He said a million times, I want to die in the ring. I want to die in the ring. I don't want to fucking watch you die in the ring. Can you please not do it in front of me, Rick? But you know what? I I hope I hope that this is his last match. He has immediately immediately said that he regretted calling it his last match. And that's got me worried. I'm really hoping that was it. Because, look, he has nothing to prove. Rick already had a storybook career. Honestly, the last match that he had, the what was allegedly supposed to be the last match that he had against Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania years ago was still such a good fucking match. You know, he does not need to drag this out. And it's and he's not doing it for us. He's doing it for him. I understand that. Look, I have an ego just as bad as anybody else. I know how that shit works. But, you know, it was still such a huge event. And it was still something that, that people were talking about weeks leading up and weeks coming out of it. Like, it was the most controversial thing before it happened. It was the most controversial thing after it happened. And you know what? Like I said, I hope that's it. I really, really hope that that's it because, unfortunately, I am a huge Ric Flair fan. And if he does this again, I'm probably going to go out of my way to watch it. And like I said, I don't want to watch the show that he dies on. But, you know, all in all, so many props to Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett in that match. They did such an amazing job putting Rick over and, and just selling the drama. You know, those guys are pros. You know, nobody needs to tell them how to do something twice. But they were they were just the absolute MVPs of that. Not just the match, but the whole show, in my opinion. But yeah, Ric Flair's most likely, at least fourth to last match. Coming up after that at number seven, something that blew my mind when it happened. Tony Khan purchases Ring of Honor. Now, in hindsight... This hasn't exactly been the most exciting thing in the world because we, we're just now coming off of a year of Tony Khan trying to shoehorn as much Ring of Honor content into his weekly AEW shows as possible. We've only had three, I think, Ring of Honor, three or four Ring of Honor pay-per-views this year. Final Battle just wrapped up a, a couple of weeks ago. And you know what? It was it was a fun show. I did watch it. You know, I, I still love Ring of Honor. That brand still means a lot to me. I did a whole Ring of Honor retrospective after Final Battle last year. And if you guys listen to that episode, you know I got very emotional about it because I do absolutely love Ring of Honor. But this last year has been so frustrating because this guy buys this promotion and I don't want to say he doesn't do anything with it because all the titles got featured on AEW Dynamite, but like we all want a Ring of Honor show. Ring of Honor should exist on its island. It shouldn't have to stay on AEW's island exclusively. And, you know, it's even more frustrating now because coming out of Final Battle, he's like, yeah, you know, we're going to actually start taping for some new Ring of Honor television stuff, but it's not going to have its own TV deal yet. We're actually first we're going to put it just on Honor Club, you know, and, and you have to pay another $10 a month 
on top of your Netflix and on top of your Hulu and your Peacock and your Paramount Plus and all that other shit. We got another $10 a month we need you to pay if you want to watch ROH. ROH was fucking free, dude. Like, if, if you didn't live in a market where it aired on television, which I will admit I only ever got to watch it on TV when I was traveling because a lot of places I traveled to would have it on, like, some Fox channel at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. But it, you could always watch it for free on Fight. They would always put the episodes for free on Fight TV. So it's, it is really frustrating that it looks like new Ring of Honor along with the, the back catalog, because there is quite an extensive back catalog, is going to be exclusive to Honor Club, another $10 a month that we all have to pay. It's so fucking frustrating. Like, I think if it was lumped in, I think if it was lumped into a site that also had all of the old AEW shows, I know they're probably not going to rush to put any of the AEW pay-per-views on some kind of streaming service yet just because they still cost $50 a month. But if it was lumped in with all the past Dynamites and the past stuff like Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen and special events, stuff like that, if they were all together for $10 a month, I'd be like, you know what, maybe worth it. But right now... Still a lot of question marks around it, but the the big news of Tony Tony coming out at earlier this year, I think it was January or February this year, Tony coming out and saying, guess what, guys? I just bought Ring of Honor. That was some Vince buys WCW levels of shit. Like, but the difference is, is he didn't buy his competition to destroy it. He bought Ring of Honor to build it back up. And, you know, that whole prospect sounded great. We haven't exactly seen a great return on that investment yet, but you know what? I'm still hopeful. I still believe in the Ring of Honor brand. I do really want to see what happens with it. I don't think I'm going to pay for Honor Club, but you know what? I might get the itch, and I might wind up paying for Honor Club. I don't know, especially if he if he stops putting the pay-per-views on Bleacher Report and is like, hey, you can just get Honor Club and not have to pay 40 fucking dollars every time we do a pay-per-view. That would be pretty sweet. Then I would definitely buy it, but still a lot of question marks up in the air. But still, you know, big news nonetheless. Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor. Hopefully in 2023, we we finally start to see a little bit of a return on that investment and see what that vision that he has for Ring of Honor truly is. Now we're getting into some really interesting shit. Number six, Sasha Banks and Naomi say, fuck this noise and walk out of the WWE. I remember when this happened, just like with anything like this, and there's a few things on this list that I 100% just immediately was like, ah, it's a work, it's a work. It looks like this really isn't. Sasha and Naomi uh, got fed up with their booking, with the the booking that they've had as as tag team. They were tag team champions, and they weren't really doing jack shit with that. The tag team division in WWE has been an afterthought for a very long time, especially the women's tag team division. And they were just fed up, I guess. You know, I wasn't in the room. I don't know how the how the conversation actually happened, but that's. That's the story that everybody's been going with is they weren't very happy with their booking and it looked like nothing was going to be done about it and they just fucking bailed. Now, I've talked about this at length on the show before. You know, I think that I wouldn't have done what they did. I wouldn't have just walked out like that. I would have done the right thing and I would have probably dropped the belts. I would have asked them to, hey, can can you take these belts off of me because I want to go home. I think that's exactly how I, I would have put it because end of the day, they are two very powerful people behind the scenes. You know, Sasha and Naomi have a lot of pull in that company. They could have worked something out that, you know, 
just just from the devil's advocate perspective, it's it's if I was the WWE, I'd be pretty frustrated with them over how they acted. But at the end of the day, what they were upset about is still very understandable. You know, it, for a lot of people, it's not so much about winning and losing. It's about telling a good story and, and being compelling and giving people a reason to tune in. You know, that's the kind of shit that I care about. If I was wrestling, I wouldn't give a damn about holding a fucking belt. I would care about what story am I telling? Are people invested in me? And are they watching me for the right reasons? You know, and and it looks like that's what they 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 genuinely cared about. And at the time, Vince was still at the helm. Don't worry. Of course, that's coming up much later. But uh, he he, I guess, wasn't playing and just said, no, I'm not going to do jack shit. So they said, fuck you and bailed. And it's been still to this point, you know, there's talk that Sasha is going to show up potentially at Wrestle Kingdom uh, in the next week. I guess that's going to be maybe she might. I, I, I don't think she would physically be there. There might be like a video package or something, if you ask me. But that's just my opinion on the matter. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But, you know, Naomi, I don't really know what what she's doing. I know that both of them were doing some modeling for a little bit, doing some runway stuff, which was, yeah, that was pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie to you. But it's so interesting. Two of, of the biggest female stars, I mean, shit, in Sasha's case, one of the biggest stars in general that the WWE had, so much crossover appeal. You know, just like old Stone Cold back in the early 2000s just decided to take their ball and go home. And it's been, it's so wild that that happened this year, considering there's still five more things that were more wild than that. But you know what? Sasha and Naomi, they have clearly had no problems making money. They made some independent appearances that were a little steep, especially considering how they made everybody stand like fucking eight feet away from them when during all the photo ops. I thought that was kind of wild, but you know, they're out there making money. They're not having any problems doing that. And they're doing it with whatever avenues they want to take. And speaking of avenues that women in wrestling have decided they can take to make a shitload of more money than they do in the ring. Number five, simply put, OnlyFans. Holy shit has OnlyFans and, and Fan Time and Brand Army and all of those sites like it. Have they really made all of these beautiful women in professional wrestling realize they don't have to take bumps to be millionaires? In fact, they can make significantly more money just showing some cleavage and some butt crack than they would make getting their asses kicked in the ring. And some of them, at least one of them as of recently, by the name of Mandy Rose, decided that's exactly what she wants to fucking do. Famously, and this just happened a couple of weeks ago, Mandy Rose was fired after being the, I believe, longest reigning NXT Women's Champion. She was fired because she puts out some relatively racy content on her fan page. And I guess she decided she didn't want to stop doing that. So she got fired and has continued to not be phased and just post even more racy content on her fan page. And you know what? Shout out Mandy Rose. I mean, she stood her fucking ground. She was like, look, you know, this is what it is. I'm making money off of my body, just like you guys have been making money off of my body. We all saw those fucking vignettes the second that she goes to she goes back to NXT and they put that belt on her, right? Every fucking vignette, every week she was in a thong by the pool. Like, for fuck's sake, they're they're making money 
showing not much less than what she's showing on her own page. Now, in fairness, I've seen the picture. She's showing a little extra, you know, a little bit of little nipple makes an appearance every once in a while. Even a little bit of a even a little bit of the leather Cheerio makes an appearance every once in a while. It's it's pretty racy stuff. I'm not going to lie to you, but this is the same company that had Sable on the cover of Playboy that had Tori Wilson and Maria Kanellis and Christy Hemme, all them in Playboy all those years ago. Now, granted, I'm sure they were making money off of those ventures and probably not making anything off of Mandy Rose's page, but you know what? She proved that she can make significantly more money doing that than she made taking bumps in the ring. So she stood her ground and it is what it is. Honestly, I'm, I'm happy for her and I'm glad that she did that. And I'd like her to continue posting those pictures because I'm, I'm pretty much enjoying them myself. I'm not going to lie to you, you know, and this has been a big thing with a lot of women in the industry. Paige Van Zandt, I know that she only really had a couple of appearances in AEW, but her page is way more racy than Mandy Rose's. Holy shit. But not to mention you've got Tynar Mello is now on OnlyFans, even though she isn't really showing anything different than she was showing on her fucking Instagram page, but you know what? People are still paying for it. At the end of the day, if there is money to be made, make it. I am a a a pretty fucking overweight, barely moderately attractive guy. If I thought that there was any kind of actual demand for half-naked pictures of me, I would be on OnlyFans so fucking fast. It's insane. <laughs> even if I even if I only made like 40 bucks a week, I would still go to OnlyFans so fucking quick. That is so close to my fucking actual rate to do independent wrestling shows. <laughs> it's not it's not far from it, believe it or not, 40 bucks a week. But, you know, it, like I said, work smarter not harder. And that's exactly what Mandy's doing, and that's what a lot of women in professional wrestling have decided they're going to do. I don't know, I'm just going to show some some deep cleavage pictures and and spread my butt cheeks a little bit and make me some money. And God damn it, I am not mad at it. Speaking of butt cheeks, number four, MJF, who I have unfortunately seen his butt cheeks and matches way more lately than I would like to. MJF working shoots into shoot works. I don't know. What's real and what's not real whenever it comes to MJF. And you know what? From a wrestling insider perspective, that is the best case scenario right now with him. That's what it's all about, right? It's about tricking people. And I know it sounds fucked whenever you say it like that, but wrestling is about tricking the fans. You want the fans to watch and go, oh, fuck, I can't tell if this is real or not. That's exactly what you want, even though none of it's real. It's all... It's all planned, but you know what? AEW has proven, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. AEW has proven that they are totally fine with bending the rules of fiction and reality whenever it comes to their television show. They will they will definitely break the fourth wall a lot. And I have no idea if MJF actually was having these contract issues with AEW that that they said he was having in storyline. Maybe he was. I mean, I I mean he had actual reasons to be upset. They keep signing all these WWE guys and pushing them to the moon, while MJF, who was supposed to be your guy, you know, one of the first people that you signed to the promotion, he was supposed to be the next big thing in your promotion. He's just kind of sitting off to the side while you build up all these ex-WWE guys. I mean, if he actually was pissed and if there actually was contract disputes, I understand it. 
but it more than likely was a plan. And he went to Tony and said, look, I got an idea for a great fucking storyline and it involves me sitting at home and getting paid for a couple of months, which will be really sweet for me. Maybe that's what happened. I don't fucking know. But that's the beauty of it is I don't know. I love not knowing. It makes me feel like a fan again. So the fact that MJF is making me believe just makes me love everything that he's doing. Like props to MJF, props to AEW. I think everything that they've done with MJF this whole year has been accidentally or on purpose has been some of the best shit that AEW's had to offer. It honestly really has. Speaking of things that AEW had to offer, number three, Cody Rhodes jumps ship. The first big name to officially leave AEW and sign with WWE. And boy, was that a shot to the nuts of AEW. This is not only a guy that you were trying to build your company around in the early days, not only a guy that was on all the billboards and, and, and was on all of the graphics and, and was doing all the press conferences and, and the guy that you wanted to put in a suit and wave in front of Warner executives and say, hey, this is our fucking dude. Not only was that the guy, this is also one of the guys that started AEW, one of your executive vice presidents, one of, if we're all to be believed, one of the biggest driving forces to the creative of AEW in the early days. At least that's, that's you know, what, like I said, all of us have been led to believe that Cody was a big part of that early days of creative. And it was Tony Khan eventually saying, no, shit's a little too off the walls. I'm going to take over. Was allegedly kind of the first bit of strain between Cody and, and Tony Khan. Obviously, like I've said before on this list, I wasn't there. So I don't know how these conversations played out. I've definitely heard stories as to the amount of money that WWE offered Cody. And look, if they offered me that kind of money, it'd be hard to say no. But it was just so wild. You know, Cody Rhodes got into this management position, his own words, a little too early, you know. And and he was in his mid-30s when AEW got started. He still has so much fucking tread on the tires. There's no reason for him to not focus on his in-ring career, you know, and he's very much, I talked about ego earlier, he still very much has that ego. He wants to be the world champion. And whenever you're the manager, there's his famous Silver Spoon promo. He talked about that being a problem in the past with guys like Eddie Graham, guys like Dusty Rhodes, guys like the Cowboy Bill Watts, you know, these guys that were management, the guys that booked the show and were also the top star in the territory. And he talked about that dichotomy and he talked about that that issue. And that was what led to the whole, I won't challenge for the world title if I lose my match kind of thing with Jericho. And I think, you know, people forgot to tell Cody that titles literally don't fucking matter because that looks like a, a big reason why he went to the Fed. He wanted to win the title that eluded his father throughout his entire career. And, you know, there is definitely a part of me that understands that for sure. He wants to not only live out his childhood dream, but, you know, he's at that stage where he wants to remember his father as much as he possibly can. And look, his dad was one of the biggest names professional wrestling ever saw. He had his match in AEW against Anthony Agogo, where he actually wrestled under the name The American Dream for one night only. Now that Anthony Agogo feud was kind of shit, and a lot of what Cody was involved in that last, I don't know if it was really a whole year, but 
definitely the the early part of 2022 before he went to the WWE, the, the stuff Cody was involved with was kind of fucking weird. And his promos had gotten kind of fucking wacky, you know, and, and that that beautiful moment in the Silver Spoon promo very early on, I think it was like the fourth or fifth episode of 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 Dynamite, I want to say, or at least the first couple of months, something like that. But in that promo, he he got choked up talking about his family and started crying. And and that was a real special moment then. And then it just became a device that he used in every single fucking promo afterwards. Oh, if I tear up a little bit, that'll get everybody to cheer. He definitely overused that whenever everybody was booing him. <laughs> you know, he he didn't want to be booed. And, and I thought that there was so much... Man, they could have made some fucking magic with that. The delusional heel that thinks he's a babyface. There there could have been some serious fucking magic that led to him just eventually blowing the fuck up and and just going full-fledged Homelander, right? I mean, we were already drawing the parallels whenever he wrestled a go-go. He comes out dressed up like fucking Homelander, who is a guy that thinks he's the good guy and is actually not just a bad guy, but a gigantic piece of shit. Like, he should have fucking run with that. That would have been so good. I wanted that so bad. I love the fact. I watched it like he thinks he's the babyface. That's amazing. That's good fucking storytelling. Come to find out, he in real life thought he was the fucking babyface. You know, he's like, I don't understand why they're booing me. It's so wild. The whole Cody Rhodes thing has been so weird. He's always been one of my favorites. You know, he's he's got the torn peck right now. Could possibly come back at the Royal Rumble. Worst case scenario, probably back at Mania. It was unfortunate that he only you know showed back up to the WWE for a few months and then immediately had to get put back on the shelf again. But you know what? At the end of the day, he's still one of my favorites. I have met him before. I've never worked with him, but I have met him. He definitely seems like a super nice guy, his wife as well. So I hope everything works out for him. And I hope that this WWE relationship, for, for what he has been able to experience is scratching that itch for him, you know, and I hope that he does get to achieve his dream. I hope he does get that WWE title and and live out not only his dream, but his dad's, you know, but uh, it definitely caught a lot of people off guard. Even me, I didn't want to believe it. I loved Cody. Cody was one of the main reasons that I, you know, started riding with AEW to begin with. So yeah, it kind of sucked. It kind of sucked as a fan of his and as a fan of AEW whenever he went to WWE. But you know what? I hope, like I said, I hope that uh, everything works out the way that he wants it to. I hope he does get to get back in the ring again soon. But holy shit, him leaving was so fucking huge. Was one of, it felt like at the time, potentially one of the biggest fuck-ups that AEW could have possibly made. Until number two, (laughs) when CM Punk had his little muffin meltdown after All Out. I don't even know what to say anymore about this. You know, we talked about it not that long ago. CM Punk, of of course, wins back the AEW title, which just felt so wild because he literally just lost it like a fucking week before that or some shit. Like he literally just lost the belt on fucking TV in like a, a like a 10 second match against John Moxley. And then a week or two later, they run it back at All Out and have this uber competitive match where he winds up picking up the belt again. And then he fucking has this meltdown in a press conference afterwards and talks shit about all of his coworkers and especially Hangman and, and all the elite guys, Kenny Omega and the Bucks and all them, and just 
really showed his true colors, man, and, and had a lot of people thinking, you know what, whenever, whenever all that stuff happened you seven, eight years ago with the WWE, maybe it wasn't entirely Vince's fault. And that's something that even then, you know, I remember hearing that auto wrestling podcast. Initially, I was like, you know what, there's definitely some stuff here where I think WWE fucked him around. But boy, does some of this really just sound like a whole lot of just his fucking problem. And I've been very open about this on the show. I'm not going to beat a fucking dead horse, but I have not been a fan of CM Punk for a very long time. And I feel like this is not the first time he put his foot in his mouth. So I was definitely expecting it whenever it happened. But there was the whole brawl out situation that we still don't know all of the details with as far as Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and God knows who else busting into his fucking locker room. And there was a little fight ski that happened. I mean, it was so wild that like Ace Steel got fired and they were talking about Ace Steel fucking biting Kenny Omega or whatever the fuck it was. It was so wild to me. And that was like the only thing that led me to think that this could possibly be a work because Ace Steel, I didn't even know fucking worked for AEW. He just showed up on TV like fucking two weeks before this pay-per-view or it, it wasn't even that. I think it was just a week before the pay-per-view. He fucking shows up. And it's, you know, it was so wild. Like, that's what had me thinking, this might be a work, because we literally just found out Ace even fucking worked for AEW. What in God's name is happening right now? But it happened. There was a fight, I guess. Muffins were definitely eaten. I can tell you that for sure. I don't know much about the situation, but I do know CM Punk ate a fucking muffin. I know that much. Um, Yeah, man, so, so absolutely wild. Such an outrageous thing that, you almost can't believe actually happened this year. But our number one spot belongs to something that I actually still can't believe actually happened this year. Vince McMahon steps down as the chairman of the WWE. Stephanie McMahon, I believe, took over as the, I guess, CEO with Triple H running the day-to-day operations as far as the the television shows and the and the pay-per-views and all that jazz. But man, that that original that original news article about Vince stepping down, just that highlight, I looked at it and I had to I like I had to read it back like five or six times in my head. Like, wait, what does that say? Wait, what does that say? There's no way he actually stepped down under his own will. Now I wasn't in the room. Once again, I'm pretty sure he wasn't exactly stepping down under his own will. I'm pretty sure he was being pushed out of the fucking door. But uh, it's still, it's been such a wild fucking year for the WWE, hasn't it? You know, Triple H has been bringing back a lot of the people that he believed in, a lot of the people that Vince McMahon fired unceremoniously earlier this year. I think some people even last year. And a lot of those have worked out. Some of them, as I have left me scratching my head, I don't really care much for Hit Row, personally. Uh, I, I don't know what he sees there. I also wasn't really watching NXT while they were there, so maybe I'm missing something. I don't fucking know. Uh, all the Bray Wyatt stuff, I also wasn't crazy about that when there were talks about bringing Bray Wyatt back, because just like I've told everybody, he's going to have to get in the ring at one point, and it's never that exciting whenever he does. The first time it is, 
The first, when he comes back the first time, it's great. And then that first promo will be great. But then every week it's like, wow, he's just saying a bunch of fucking nonsense, isn't he? And then he has the first match. And you're like, oh, wow, that's great. I can't believe it. Then he has a second match and then the third match. You're like, oh, wow, it's kind of just all the same shit, isn't it? And that's no offense to Wyndham Rotunda, but it's just not. The character doesn't have any legs. It really doesn't. Like the character's such a one-trick pony that really would benefit to have the Undertaker treatment of just showing up at WrestleMania every year because there there really isn't any mystique there. It looks like there's going to be, you know, especially when we first saw that that Uncle Howdy, I guess he's calling it, that whole gimmick. It was like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder where this is going to go. Then they just had some fat guy wear the Uncle Howdy mask on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago. And it was all kind of fucking stupid. Like it was... It was all I was actually watching and I was I was pretty I was pretty buzzed while I was watching too and uh I could not help but laugh my fucking nuts off whenever that tubby bastard in the mask comes walking out while Bray Wyatt's getting his shit kicked in by Eli Drake in the ring it just it's not good but you know what regardless I've got completely off track there but Triple H is has been taking this opportunity to bring back all the people that he loved and while some of the storylines still definitely feel like Vince is involved for sure. It still definitely feels like Vince might be writing this one from home because some of it's kind of still fucking stupid. It is definitely a different show. And I do believe that the pay-per-views have gotten significantly better. That SummerSlam right after Vince had to step down, I remember doing a whole show about it and I talked about it. It really felt like Triple H just gathered everybody in the back before the show and said, dude, just go out there and have a good fucking time. Because that's exactly what it looked like happened. There were a lot of really fun matches on the show. And I do think that the the pay-per-views have been pretty interesting since Triple H has taken over. But the whole, I mean, the, the Vince McMahon paying millions of dollars to silence these women that he had had these affairs with in the company is the least surprising part of the whole fucking thing. Like it, it it literally like whenever I heard about that, I was like, okay, there's nothing about this that fucking surprises me because we had all heard stories for years about him fucking around with, with like the, the women, like the, like the, 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 the female wrestlers, like d- didn't Sable take them to court like 20 years ago because Vince was trying to fuck her or some shit. Like this is, this is not a surprise whatsoever. This, the surprise is that this is what took him down Like, I think a lot of people, I had heard some people using this as like a comparison of, you know, that time that they, that the feds could not take Al Capone down for all the, the countless murder and extortion and racketeering and all this other shit that he had done. What eventually put him away was him not paying his taxes and the IRS was able to slip in and and get a hold of his books and put him away like that. You know, everybody was like, oh fuck, that's what did it. And a lot of people were using that comparison. Like, holy fuck, that's what did it is like. There's women in the WWE that complained that they were being paid hush money from Vince McMahon. That's what put him away. And it honestly is a pretty good fucking comparison because of all of the things, of all the stories that we've heard over the years. This felt like something that we all just assumed we knew. Like, yeah, of course he's trying to fuck everybody in that company. Like, he's Vince McMahon. Are any of us surprised? It was really surprising that this is what took him down. But... End of the day, allegedly, like I said, I'm not still completely sold on it. Allegedly, Vince has nothing to do with that creative anymore. And that concept is so wild to me. 
it is so wild to me that we are now, I can't believe that even though, you know, I'm, I'm significantly younger than Vince, I'm 31 years old, I still didn't think I would live to see a WWE without Vince McMahon. I'm like, this motherfucker is going to be 103 in gorilla motherfucking people as they walk in and out of the curtain. Like, that's just what's going to happen. But uh, you know what? We're all living in a new age right now. L- listen to all the things that I've, I've laid out on this top 10 list. Vince McMahon no longer in control of the WWE. CM Punk, more than likely, no longer going to wrestle again. Ric Flair, more than likely, is probably going to wrestle again. A lot of female wrestlers have decided they don't need to ever wrestle again. People who want to wrestle under the Ring of Honor brand may or may not ever be able to do that because there's been a whole lot of fucking stop and go with that shit. And like I said earlier, isn't it wild that this year has been so fucking insane with highlights and headlines that Stone Cold Wrestling in the WrestleMania main event was only number nine on my list. Wow. I cannot wait to see what 2023 has for us, guys. And if uh, if this is any indication, I, I don't know if we're going to be in for more of the same next year. I'm kind of hoping we have a boring year. I'm going to be honest with you. 2022, it literally felt like every few days there was some life-changing fucking article being posted on some wrestling dirt sheet. It was such a wild year. But I got to tell you guys, not just from the perspective of of television wrestling as a whole. But here on the Indies, I have definitely had a great 2022. 2023, like I said at the top of this, is definitely looking like it's going to be even better. Thank each and every one of you so much for hanging out for the ride and checking out this huge top 10 episode here on Main Event Heat as we close out the year. Once again, if you would like to follow me, especially like I said earlier, if you had any cool wrestling Christmas presents that you would like to share, please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SweetSexyRob. Show me those action figures that you guys got. Show me those front row tickets that your spouse got you for your next WWE live event. Whatever. I want to see it, guys. I'm I'm all in right now. I'm in, I'm in the Christmas spirit. It is still Christmas Day as I'm recording it right now. I'm I'm just so happy to not only be a part of professional wrestling, but to be a part of the community of professional wrestling enthusiasts. And like I said, 2022, been a great year. 2023, hopefully even better. And we've got a whole lot of talking about wrestling that we're going to be doing next year. Middle of January. Let me actually pull up the calendar right now, and I'll tell you when the next episode of Main Event Heat will be. It's looking like January 16th will be the next time you guys get to hear my voice. So tune in for that. We are going to be talking about... I don't know yet. We'll figure it out, but I'm sure it'll be fun. And then, you know, we'll be back on January 30th doing a This Month in Pro Wrestling. And hopefully there there are not going to be any life-changing news headlines that happen in January because I'm really, my, my heart is not ready for it yet. 2022 has put me through the fucking ringer. I'm not ready for CM Punk showing up anywhere. That's for goddamn sure. I'm not ready for Vince McMahon to magically appear in the WWE again going surprise motherfuckers i hope that does not happen in january because like i said my heart just can't take it hopefully we do have some good things to talk about hopefully we can talk about the royal rumble hopefully it's a lot better this year than it was this past year we can hopefully by the end of the month talk about new japan and wrestle kingdom i'm really excited to watch the show this year 
But until then, make sure, like I said earlier, follow me at Instagram and Twitter at Sweet Sexy Rob. If you would like to purchase any t-shirts from CollarOnElbow.com, make sure you use the promo code HEAT at checkout. Save you a couple of bucks on your order. If you would like to buy any of my t-shirts, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rob Weathers and put in your order today. And once again, thanks for hanging out.